And let's just welcome Pastor Andrew to the stage. Awesome. Awesome. What's up, Everlife? You guys doing all right? Yeah. Well, hey, so good to be here with you. So I do keep the mic close to my face, so you, you probably have to turn me down a little bit. I don't mind getting a little rowdy, but uh, I kind of feel like home here. Man, I, I love, there's so many different leaders, Shafin um, and Jess, amazing pastors. Man, we want to honor and recognize you guys, and you have such an amazing team with Dan and Kelsey and Ash and, and Jaden. You guys like Jaden? He's a good dude. Come on now. Like, I, I just, I love this church and I love what you're going after. And as we were worshiping, I just heard this for you guys. It's so hard for many times for Christians just to have faith for the possible. Like if, if you really think about it, it's like, man, sometimes we, we actually expect less than even just to have faith for the possible. But I heard God said that you have the gift of faith ever life. And, and you have the faith for the impossible. And you carry that. And I just heard the Lord say, as your faith rises, so you will see it across this city. Like you guys are a major impact. I've been wanting to come here. I was actually just going to come on it because I just feel there's something on this house that's going to be released for this city. Right now, Perth is one of the only places in the world that can gather together. Think about that. They're calling Perth the envy of the world. The envy of the world. I mean, for me and my wife moving here, this is a big deal that we're in this place right now. And people ask us all the time, why did you move to Perth? And real answers, we came to see an awakening in young people. Like that's, it wasn't for Youth Alive. It wasn't for anything else. But we believe God wants to move in this city. And I believe Everlife, you have a key role in something that can literally touch the globe. Let faith arise. Let it get a little bit bigger. You guys down with that? So my, my wife is letting me know. I need to let you guys know why I'm kind of bandaged up. Um, I did get in a fight. Um, it was not my fault, but you should see her. Man, I messed her up. No, um, I, I, I did. I tried this joke earlier, but people didn't get it. it said, I said, it wasn't my fault. It was actually the asphalt. But you guys don't know what it, it's In America, that's concrete. So I, I've learned you got to share relevant. It's a dad joke. All right. So anyways, um, I'm excited to be here to be a part. We're in this series called Breaking Free. Anybody want to be free in this place? So I'm going to connect you guys to some of my torment this week as Shafin told me about this series. I've had a song stuck in my head all week, and I've never done karaoke in my life. But I hope this song gets stuck in your head and you're like, oh, man, that Andrew guy, he's driving me nuts. All right? So you ready, DJ? All right, I'm not doing that. <laughs> All right, listen to this song. I've got to break free. Listen to this part. Come on. God knows, God knows I want to break free. Come on. <laughs> all right, that's all I got. <laughs> I, I was going to have some props and all kinds of stuff, but I didn't even get to practice it. <laughs> that, was a, that was a spontaneous moment there. But hey, here's what I want you to know. God wants you to be free. Like he wants you to be so 
free. And you want you to be free. Am I right? All right, so let's do the math. God wants you to be free. You want to be free. What's the problem? <laughs> you know, like what's going on? Why aren't we stepping into a greater level of freedom in our life? And today, I want you to know, God has a freedom for you beyond what you could think or imagine. You see, I think many times our idea of freedom is like the enemy. He puts us in a prison or we have chains that are on us. And what we do, we go like Shawshank Redemption on them and we, we bust out of jail. Like we, we, we get out, we break free. And now we're just like on this amazing place. We're at the beach. But really, we're not free because we're actually in hiding. We're actually running from something rather than being free. See, the Bible actually says, resist the devil and he will flee. Guys, our position is not running from something. And that's so many times, I think, how we view freedom is, is this idea. And I love what Chafin shared this last week about replacing a lie with truth. And that is an amazing practice, and that practice actually changed my life in a lot of ways. But can I tell you, a practice will never be enough? Like, a, a, a pra- so, so here's what the enemy will do, and this is a part of why this, this idea of being broken free can be very challenging. The Bible says he speaks no truth. He's the father of lies, and he comes in, and he will speak a lie to you. Now, here's what the enemy's not going to do to me. He's not going to come to me and say, hey, Andrew, your mom doesn't love you. You know why? Because I love my mama and my mama loves me. I'm a mama's boy. Like, he's not going to tell me that lie, but he might come to me and say, hey, Andrew, you're a failure. And all of a sudden, he begins to bring up moments and memories in my life where I failed where I failed in high school, where I failed in an athletics event, when I failed and got arrested, when I, when I failed when I started a business and it flopped. And all of a sudden, the, the, those things that he speaks, he says, you're a failure. And that feels so close to home. It's a deceived truth. Like that's what he did with Jesus in the wilderness. He had a layer of truth, but it was deception. He did with Adam and Eve in the garden. And he'll speak something so close to home that it's actually, maybe you can believe that. And here's what we know about failure. It's never a person. It's always a situation that happens to your life. But all of a sudden, maybe that thing comes back and we're replacing the lie with truth. But sometimes in that process, it just takes one bad day and that lies right there again. You know, one, one bad moment, then it's right back. Or, or maybe you were in high school and you were rejected a little bit. Maybe there was that, that inner crew and you, you never could get in to that place and you always felt like you were on the left out. And maybe you got in that dream relationship or, or the dude that you liked, he didn't like you, he liked your friend. Anybody in here? Like, no, no, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're in those places and all of a sudden the Lord just, or the enemy whispers, you're unwanted. You're a reject. You're, you know, and, and it just feels so close where all of a sudden it becomes a part of our life. You see, the Bible says, Jesus said this, it's not what comes in your body that defiles you. It's what comes out of your body that defiles you. So this lie comes in. We begin to believe this lie. And all of a sudden it becomes a part of who we are. So therefore what we touch, what we do is kind of tainted. with the, It becomes to come out of our lives. 
So I want you to know that practice that he shared, I'm telling you, it's a game changer. Like, it is a game changer. But one thing that we have to do is, guys, we cannot be people that are running from the enemy and running from the lies. We have to come face to face with the accusations. We have to come face to face with the accuser and say, enough is enough. And here, here's what I mean in that. When you come face to face, because we can't be in the posture of running, what we need to do, we need to take that lie to a person. It's not just a practice. We need to take it to a person that has authority to do something about it. And that person's name is Jesus. All right, today I want to talk to you about Jesus being the judge. All right, and I, I'll tell you, no one gets excited about judgment, am I right? No one gets excited about the judge or going to court. And I think when we view Jesus, we're great with, you know, viewing um, him as Savior. Or has anybody seen the, the movie series, The Chosen? Oh, such a good Jesus. Like, we're okay with the viewing him that way, or even like baby Jesus. But like, Jesus as the judge? Ah, I don't know. But here's what the Bible says out of John chapter 8, verse 26. He says, I have many things to speak and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true, and the things which I have heard from him, these I speak to the world. I'm telling you, I believe that you need to know that this is good news, that Jesus is the judge, not just in the age to come, but actually right now. He plays a significant role in your life right now as your judge. And some of the freedom that you're missing out on is because there may be a revelation that you're lacking in. In John chapter 5, verse 22, he actually says that the Father doesn't judge anyone, but it's, he's given all judgment over to me. Acts 10, verse 42, it says that Jesus will judge the living and the dead. But the role of a judge right now, I want you to know if you get this today, your life could look radically different. It could look radically, radically different. And I'm excited to release this with you guys. You see, the enemy, he is an accuser. And he will try to do anything and everything to prevent you from being all that you're called to be. And that's why we need to take this accuser to the judge and see what the judge has to say about it. And here's why. Because it's the judge is the one that has authority to do something about it. Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. I love the parable out of Luke 19. It's called the persistent widow and the unjust judge. Or even it's called the unrighteous judge. And this judge, he had no fear of God. He didn't like people. He had no fear of man. But this persistent window, widow day and night came knocking on the door seeking justice. And by his annoyance of this woman, he gave this unjust judge, gave her justice. Do you want to know why she kept on knocking at the door day and night? Because no one could give her the answer that, he need, that she needed except the one with authority to do something about it. You see, we need to take these accusations to the judge so once and for all we could step into freedom. 
So today, what we're going to do, we're going to take the enemy to court. You hear me? We're going to have a court hearing straight up here in Everlight Church. We're going to take the accuser to court. So some of you in this place, you need to file a restraining order against the enemy. All right? He's been coming into your home. He's been coming between your relationships, maybe your marriage or your kids. Like, like he's been coming into your nightmares and your dreams in fear in your home. And today we say, no more. There's a restraining order coming around my home. Maybe some of you need to file a domestic violence, um, well, whatever that would be. <laughs> because he's been coming against your health. He's been coming against your mental health. As enough is enough. No more. Guys, my wife and I have went to the courts of heaven this week because I've been a little injury prone over this last season. He's been coming against my kids and their health. Guys, enough is enough. You see, some of even there's been attack on your finances or maybe an inheritance that are meant to go you, to, towards you that are being held up. But today we give it to the Lord. Now, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter, th- chapter 3, there's a, there's a time for every season, a time to live, a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to weep, a time to dance. There's a time for every season, guys. You're going to go through different seasons of your life. Guys, just being a Christian doesn't mean it's going to be easy. The Bible says there's going to be trials and tribulations. There even sometimes is testing that takes place in your life. But what I'm talking to you about today, what was maybe a season now years have gone by. What was maybe just a a short period of time, now you're stuck in that place. And it's like you're in, in quicksand or just stuck in the mud and you cannot get out. I want you to know that is not okay. And that is not okay with God. And today he wants to do something about it. You see, if we're going to go to court, one of the things that we actually need is we need some legal representation. Like you don't want to be going in by yourself. You need someone that knows what they're doing that has a voice. All right. So here's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter um, 2 verse 1. It says, my little children. I am writing these sayings to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Like, I I love this. That word advocate means helper. But the appropriate name of it is actually a legal representation. It's a legal term. It means to represent someone before the judge. So who is that person? That person is Jesus, which is crazy. Jesus is our judge, but he's also our representation. I love this. Like, I want you to get this. So in Jewish culture, actually, this is what they would do, is is the judge would represent the victim. And here's why. They wanted the victim to have the benefit of the doubt. They wanted the victim to have the advantage Guys, I am a self-ownership type person. Like I believe, man, I just own whatever's in my life, whatever situation, like I could get fired or or just whatever, and I'm just going to own what, I could get stabbed in the back, and I'm first going to look at what did I do wrong for them to do that to me. And I'm going to own that space, and I'm not even going to care why or what. I just give it to the Lord. Like, 
I believe, you know, in, in being a victor, we're called to be overcomers. But can I just tell you today that you are a victim? That you are in a victim to an enemy? The Bible says that there is a lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour. That he's an accuser of the brethren. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, Jesus in John chapter um, 3, he says, I have not come into the world to condemn the world, but I've come into the world to save it. He's not come in to condemn. Guys, you are a victim to the enemy. Have you ever heard this phrase, hurt people, hurt people? You guys have heard that before? And it's, it's a common phrase if you've been around church. You know, we, we've shared it before. But guys, it's true. Hurt people hurt people. My wife, she has an incredible story, an incredible redemptive story. She was an atheist when I met her, but one of the reasons she was atheist is she was abused as a child, both physically and all different other areas. And she said, how could a good God allow this? But when she encountered Jesus in a really powerful, supernatural way, the, one of the first things he said, I want you to forgive those men that abused you. And she said, Lord, I can't do that. You can't go there. And he said, will you pray for the want to? She said, okay. And my wife began to pray for the want to, to forgive the men that hurt her. And in that process of her praying, and she did what God asked her to do, all of a sudden God began to show her how those men that abused her were also abused as kids. Those men that hurt her were also hurt as kids. And the Lord began to show them that's not who they truly are. That's not how I made them to be. But the enemy, even the stuff, they, they were under the influence. There was an influence that, that came in. Guys, you are a victim. And the reason I share this, some of you here today have been beating yourself up so bad, putting so much shame on yourself. Guys, you need to set yourself free. Guys, when I was six years old, I found pornography for the very first time. I was a kid. I didn't even know any of that stuff. And me and my cousin, we, we saw those things. And it just, the enemy, he does not play fair. And Jesus says, I'm going to represent you. I'm going to be the one that stands in the gap for you against this accuser. So now you have legal representation. So here's the next thing we got to do is we got to prepare for court, right? So if you, if you go to court, there's always what you got to You got to begin to prepare for the trial. And one of the first things you have to do is get your legal documentation together. You got to make it legal. And what I'm talking about today, you have to be legally adopted as sons and daughters before you enter the throne room of heaven in the courts of heaven. All right. The Bible says this out of Romans 8 verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. For you have received, received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So how do you know if you've given your life to Jesus? How do you know if you surrender everything to him? Guys, your spirit will cry out, Abba, Father. 
There will be a stirring on the inside, a moving of the Spirit that cries out to the Lord. So if you don't have that, what I want to say, you don't know God. All right, we're going to create a moment of invitation. There's actually one of three reasons if your spirit is not crying out, Abba, Father. It's one, you don't know him. Or the second, you might be like around the family. Have you ever like had a friend that you go to family gatherings with? You might be that friend that's going to the family gatherings. But now it's time to become family. Or it might be your prodigal son. And what does that mean? You've been in the father's house. You've known him. Maybe you give your life to him, but you've ran away. Maybe you took the inheritance and you went down a path, um, a worldly living, and gave your life to that. And because of that, there's no spirit crying out, Abba, Father, to the Lord. Or here's the, the third one. is the older brother and the prodigal son out of John chapter 15. He was the one that was in the house when the brother comes home. They, they throw a party for him and the other brother's like, hey, what about me? Where, where's my fatted calf? Where's my robe? Where's my ring? And the father, out of compassion, he says, son, all I have is yours. Maybe you've been in the house, but you don't know the heart of the father. Because his heart for you is all I have is yours. You see, one of the, the challenges that people that are adopted, and my wife and I actually have six kids because we've adopted two and raised them um, when we were just teenagers and they were teenagers. You know, we're 20 years old raising two teenagers. But one of the challenges with kids that are adopted is they feel unwanted. They don't feel valued. They feel unwanted. And even though how much you try to love, it, it's so hard to, to, to shake that. You see, I want you to know that you're chosen. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it goes, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Guys, He chose you. He chose you. Like you were His. My wife and I here a couple nights ago were watching um, some videos about some kids being adopted and just crying our face off as we were watching these videos. And actually I had a friend that adopted two kids himself. And every day he would wake up and tell his kids, you're loved, you're chosen, you're wanted. He didn't want them to feel unwanted. He wanted them to feel chosen. So we're watching this judge with this boy and he tells his son, he says, son, um, you've been adopted. You have a family now. And they needed the boy to respond and say, do you agree with this? But the boy didn't move. Like, he was just numb with emotion. He just didn't know what to do. So all of a sudden, this judge gets off of his throne, and he comes down to this boy, and he gets down on one knee, and he says, son, you're chosen. Son, you're loved. Son, you have a family. And this boy begins to cry, and everybody in that room began to cry, you are chosen. Yeah, Messy you. <laughs> yeah, messy me. Guys, I didn't deserve him. I was a mess. I was the prodigal son that gave up everything. But he chose me. And here's the second thing we have to do. We got to make it legal. The second thing, we got to clean up. You got to be looking good for court. 
You can't be wearing those thongs. You can't be wearing that bogan. You got to do the top button and all that stuff. You got to clean up. And what I mean by that, you got to repent. Guys, repentance is one of the most beautiful things that you could have in your life. Guys, repent often, repent often, repent often. I repent every single day. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. I remember leading a hundred students to a youth camp, and when I got there, the Lord began to tell me right away. I'm just the service started. I was on my face, just worshiping the Lord. He was telling me, Andrew, you love your kids so much. He just tell me, he's like, Andrew, you're a good dad. And I'm like, yeah, man, I am. I'm feeling pretty good about that. He's just, just showing me different images of how much I love my kids. And this is what he said. He said, Andrew, you long to see your kid's face. He's like, yeah, I do. And he said, you long to see their face more than you long to see mine. And all of a sudden, ugh, just weight just sat on my chest, and I was mad. It's like, God, I'm here to lead these kids to places of encounter, and you're telling me I'm not doing too good. You're telling me I'm not, why didn't you do this a week ago? Like, why are you waiting right now when I got to do this? I was just frustrated and mad, and this is what I heard the Lord. He said, Andrew, as much as you long to see their face, how much more do I long to see yours? Guys, it's his kindness that leads to repentance. Repentance is my secret weapon, (laughs) giving it back to him. And here's the last thing to prepare for the trial. Is if if you've stolen anything, you need to give it back, right? If you're a thief, give it back, all right? Pretty common sense. You don't want to be walking in guilty. You don't want to be walking in with some things you shouldn't have. So there's a guy by the name of Grand Cook, and Graham, he's a prophet. He has, he's a prophetic voice. He's mentored me at a distance a lot of my life. But Graham would actually have dinner with Jesus at nighttime. Like crazy deal. Like almost every single night he would have a dinner with Jesus. And he, he described the setting. It was up on a hill. It was a beautiful sunset. And, and this guy named Graham, he would predict world events like crazy, crazy stuff. And where he would get this revelation was having dinner with Jesus. <laughs> like, and sometimes they would talk about family, church, politics, all, all kinds of stuff. And it was like every night, but a lot of different nights. And you see Jesus walking up the hill as he's preparing. And it was such a beautiful setting. Well, one day, he's preparing the meal at nighttime. And he sees Jesus coming up the hill. But it's not the same Jesus that he's always seen. All of a sudden, instead of the sunset, on the wake behind him is thunder and clouds. And as Jesus is walking, he literally felt every single footstep. There was an intensity behind his his face and his eyes. And there was an authority that he was carrying. All of a sudden, fear hit Graham. Like, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? And all of a sudden, he asked Jesus, Jesus, what's wrong? And this is what Graham said. You've stolen it. Give it back. He said, Jesus, I would never steal anything from you. He said, you have taken it. It's mine. Give it back. 
And Graham falls to his knees, and he's on his face, like literally crying out to the Lord at his feet and said, Jesus, I would never take anything from you. And he said, Graham, you've taken back your depression. You've taken back your anxiety. You've taken back your mental illness. It is mine. Give it back to me. I died for it on that cross. It is mine. What do you need to give back to the Lord? What have you taken back in your life that you need to release to him to give it back? So here we go. Here's the steps for strategy. Here's the strategies for trial. And now, once you're in trial, it comes to the final verdict. And I'd love the worship team to go and come out right now. See, in a trial, you have to have a defense you have to have a testimony. You know what that defense and testimony is that we have? It's actually summed up in one word. Can anybody guess what that is? Anybody? It's Jesus. It's not about you. It's not about what you've done. It's not about what you haven't done. Guys, he is the judge. He's our representative. Even the areas that we are guilty, do you know what? He took our sentence. He took our sin. He took our shame. And he took it on the cross. And he declares you not guilty. The final verdict is no more running. It's no more chasing or fleeing from the enemy. Guys, this right here is a gavel. This is used in the American judicial system. And when the judge strikes this, it's an exclamation point. When the judge strikes this, there is no going back for what is said. What would your life like if you were completely free? What would your life look like if you weren't dealing with the same thing week in and week out? What would it look like if you were free? And this is what he declares over you when you say, Jesus, he says, not guilty. And there is freedom that comes to your life. As some of you need to come before the court. Say, God, I give you this lie. I give you this shame. And he says, you are free. Some of you have health. And the enemy has been attacking you over and over and over again. And say, God, I give you this. And he says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. He wants you free. He wants you free. He wants you free. I'm going to keep going until you get a little excited. He wants you free. He wants you free. He wants you free. Guys, this is not a cute little sermon. This is not a cute illustration that I come to bring to you today. Because my life over the past two weeks, as God has begun to reveal this to me, has been such a beautiful mess. My wife and I have been going to the courts of the heavens saying, Jesus, will you judge this in our life? And I'm telling you, there's a different level of freedom that he wants to call to you today. If you could close your eyes in this room right now. I want to minister to a group of people 
that don't know the Lord. You just don't know Him. Your spirit doesn't cry out, Abba, Father. You don't know the Lord as Father. The Scripture says that you cannot come to the Father without the drawing of the Holy Spirit. Right now, the Holy Spirit is drawing you closer and the judge is getting off of his throne and walking down to you and saying, I choose you. Or you might be one of those prodigal sons where you're dif- distant from God. You're separated from Him and your spirit's not crying out, Abba, Father. You're just stuck in church and your spirit's not crying out. And today you say, I want to make Jesus my Savior. Or I want to return home. Right now, if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Awesome, I see your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. If you want to return home, thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the freedom that you're releasing right now. I thank you for the ones that are returning home to you, Lord, that they find you as Father, that their spirits cry out, Abba, Father. That they become a new creation in Christ, realizing everything you have is theirs. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And here's what I want to do today. I want to invite some of our friends to come up and pray. The scripture says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. And if you're here today, And the enemy's been coming against you. And maybe there's lies that you've been believing. Maybe there's attacks that have been going on in your life. And you're in that place. Enough is enough. I want to bring this to the judge. I want you to know the judge is here and there will be. I don't share this hopefully. I share with faith. There will be freedom in this house. And there will be freedom in this place. I want to encourage you. Don't be bashful. If you're hungry, if you want to see freedom, I want to invite you to come. As the worship team begin to play, even if you've been asked to come and pray, come on, let's stand up. Let's come forward. If you need prayer today, if you need freedom today, this is your place right now. We want to pray with you. So worship team, if you can begin to play. Thank you, Lord.